Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast. I'm Sean Kelly, and our podcast on this Wednesday, the 1st of 2019, is presented by SeatGeek. Good morning and good afternoon from New York City, where the Pelicans begin a two-game East Coast road trip uh, to start the new year and uh, continue, hopefully, what they they got back on track with in a win uh, at the end of the homestand the other night. A 2-1 and homestand for the Pelicans. They'll carry that into games against the Brooklyn Nets on this Wednesday and then a Saturday game at Cleveland. We've got Saints football to talk about as well. The playoffs are right here and now in the NFL with the wild card weekend all set to go. The field is set and the New Orleans Saints are are kind of back to basics here and getting rest and getting guys injured uh, back to full health, hopefully uh, before they have to play on January the 13th. So transitional time for the football team. And uh, we've got plenty of football to talk about today. We are really going to have a treat here in just a moment with the voice of the Saints, Zach Streif, to join us on this this first Black and Blue Report of 2019. Zach and I will be discussing the end of the regular season, what he learned most about the Saints during the, the breadth of work that is now complete, and what we should be looking for, not only from the Saints in their preparation this week, but then against whom they uh, they possibly could be seeing in the divisional round on Sunday, January the 13th. So a lot to cover with Zach Streif, who is just a delight to talk to. He has such great insight, and we're very pleased to have him here uh, on the telephone with us today as we are working from New York City to our Studio B facilities at the Osher Sports Performance Center, and then then out to you. Mario Jerez is in the uh, studio with us today. He is uh, manning the controls. We appreciate his work here after the holidays have come to a conclusion. So uh, we've got Zach Streif as our featured guest, and then we'll touch more on the Pelicans before we're done on this on this Wednesday. So in just a moment here, the voice of the Saints, Zach Streif, to get us ready for the NFL postseason. This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back. We continue with the voice of the Saints. Zach Street joins us on this uh, kind of an off Wednesday for the New Orleans Saints. We begin the new year. And, uh, Zach, by the way, you're our first uh, podcast guest of 2019. We thought we'd start right with you. And Happy New Year to you and your family. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, I'm glad to be with you. And pretty nice to have bye weeks in January, isn't it? Yes, it says a lot about who uh, the who the team is and what they accomplished over the year it's it's one of those strange deals Zach and I know that you've kind of been through it to where you you're grinding you're grinding you're grinding all of a sudden you're asked to take a stop in what should be a a progression Uh, how weird is it for players and coaches right now well I think you know first of all it's it's a mental relief to get to a week where you don't have a game and I think you know and coach Payton talked about it earlier in the week but it's going to give them an opportunity to kind of refocus on themselves, to stop game planning against the team, to kind of sit back and look at yourself, do some self-scouting and say, here's the things that we have to get better at, that we have to improve. And I think that'll be good for the team. I think, you know, with the way that the last game ended and the disappointment that you saw in the locker room, those guys will come to work this week. They'll be energized. um, And I think they'll have a couple of really good practices and, uh, the bye week, I think, will be fantastic for this team. Playing the way they did against Carolina at the end of the regular season, I couldn't help but think that quietly the coaching staff might be saying this is actually a benefit to us. Am I being am I being silly about that? 
Uh, I don't think so. And, and you know, I'm sure uh, we might. I might have a hard time getting one of the coaches to uh, admit to this. But yeah, my thought was that Coach Payton would walk into that locker room after the game. He would yell. He'd be disappointed. He would tell them, you know, when you step on the field, it's about competing, and that wasn't competing, and that's disappointing, and we got a lot of work to do, and I'll see you all this, you know, tomorrow. We'll be in tomorrow. And, and kind of wake everybody up and then walk into his office and say, man, that probably couldn't have gone any better. You know, because at and, the end and, of the and day, along those lines, player, Zach, I had... you walk in on a bye week, if you walk in the bye week after a win and you're sitting there saying, man, we're going to get some time off and they have you come in and practice, all of a sudden it's like, man, why didn't we get you know some, some more time off? But when you go in after a game like that, you expect to go in and, and work hard, and I'm sure that's what they'll do this week. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, and along those lines, Zach, I had not, not one, but several fans ask me if they should be concerned. And I just I couldn't buy into that line of thinking for one game. Listen, and I understand that, and certainly you watch that, and you're like, man, what's happened to this team? And and you wish it didn't happen, and I know that there's a lot of players on that team that wish it didn't happen, but it looked to me like a lot of guys doing their best to make sure that they were playing two weeks from then and, and not so much in that moment. I think just uh, a very good football team. They've proven it all year long. There's no flukes after 17 weeks. They are what they are, and they're the number one seed. And they had the best record in the National Football League. So uh, I think that this, this is a this is a top-flight team. I think they're the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Uh, and that, that game does nothing to change that. Zach, what's the biggest thing you learned about the New Orleans Saints from the start of September here through the holidays? You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about because I think it's more important than anything at this time of the year is from very early on, this team – had a resiliency and, a, and an ability to close out football games. And obviously you're not going to win 13 football games in the NFL without this because a lot of them are close. But this team has bounced back in a lot of different ways, both in games and week to week. And uh, what I think this team has, and, w- and we talked about it early in the season, and I, and I think it's, it's very clear that it's true, is this team has a killer instinct. This team has the ability – to close the game out, both offensively and defensively. There's a lot of games this season that in big moments, regardless of what had happened in the game, uh, one side of the ball finds a way to make that play. I think uh, if you go back to the Pittsburgh game, you know, that defense was, was getting moved up and down the field. You know, Pittsburgh was kind of doing what they wanted. And the fourth quarter ends, fumble, uh, turnover on down, fumble. And, and they've done that numerous times this season. And, and really, you know, they went four weeks at the end of the year here not giving up points in the fourth quarter. And I think what this team has the ability to do is whatever it needs to do to win football games. You saw it the first game at Carolina. Uh, you know, the offense struggling, struggling, struggling. When it came right down to it, they needed a score at the end of the game, and they got that. And so I think this team has the ability to finish. And in the playoffs, nothing is more important than that attribute. That's a great point. Zach, why were the Saints so good against the run defensively this year? You know, there's a couple things. One, I think you, you first of all have to tip your hat off to each one of those players individually because we had a lot of players step up in a big way in the, in the front for the Saints. Um, you know, obviously, Cam Jordan has been a stalwart for a long time for the Saints, but Sheldon Rankin 
as his best season as a pro by a long shot. David Onyemata has a tremendous season. Alex Okafor has always been good against the run. You get a young guy in Marcus Davenport, who I think really his strength as a rookie has been in the running game. And then they go out and they get this three-down linebacker in Demario Davis, which I refuse to believe that even they had as high expectations of Demario as what he delivered because he's been phenomenal for the Saints. I think probably, for me, the, the biggest Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl snub on that defense was Demario Davis. I think he's transformed them. Uh, and, and the other side of it, besides just the individual players having great seasons, is I think this defense plays team defense. You see over and over again players making smart decisions about where their leverage is, uh, playing their assignment. If you're the outside guy, if you're uncontained, the number one thing is pushing that running back back into the middle, into your pursuit, and, and they've done it fantastically. And, and we've seen it all year long of guys even not making the play, but they're the reason why instead of you know losing contain and giving up 25, it gets turned back to the middle and, and they get sick. Um, and, and they've done it all season long. I think it's been a tremendous job by the coaching staff, and there's been a bunch of players that have really stepped up. All right, speaking of that coaching staff, Zach, how come Ryan Nielsen isn't talked about more than he is already? Well, I, 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 you know, it's funny, because I, I think Ryan Nielsen is a, is a head coach in, in waiting here. Uh, I just don't want to talk about it, because I want Ryan around for a couple more seasons. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Uh, he, he really has. He's, he's tremendous uh, last year. He's been tremendous this year. The development that you've seen in our defensive front uh, is attributed to Ryan Nielsen and the hard work those guys have put in. So he's been fantastic, and really the entire defensive coaching staff. Uh, I think you know, and, and I love the guys that were there before them. They're good personal friends of mine. But I don't think anything has changed his defense more than Mike Nolan, Aaron Glenn, and Ryan Nielsen. It's kind of like a baseball team. You have to be strong up the middle: catcher, middle infielder, center fielder. It seems like you just you just ripped off. Right there, the, the spine of the Saints' defense when you talked about the three different levels. Isn't it amazing that you've got to have all those things lined up just right? Yeah, and, and certainly, you know, John, when you're talking about being in the position the Saints are in, you've got to play excellent football all year long in all, in all phases. You can't, you're never going to be a one seed and say, well, you know, there's massive glaring holes in the defense. I mean, it's just, it doesn't go hand-in-hand hand with being 13-3. and three. So, yeah, you need it all, and that's why it's so unusual because it's hard to put all those pieces together to have the right coaching staff, the right players, you know, the right situations, the, the right health to get to this point. And so, you know, all those things contribute to it, and that's why it's so hard to be in this situation. That's why I think all of us need to really appreciate the moment because it doesn't come very often. Yeah, you're right about that. Let's flip to the offensive side of the football. Zach, what do you think they're trying to clean up on the offensive side this week before they get into game prep? Well, you know, there's a couple things. One, I know for these young receivers, as the season goes on, you know, it's, it's a big difference between the preseason playbook and the Week 15 playbook. This offense develops every season. It evolves constantly. It's like a living organism. And you have Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees who – to them, this offense is second nature. There's no thinking involved. It's, they speak a different language. And those guys, you know, as the season goes and as defenses start trying to do different things to us, they evolve that offense pretty dramatically. 
And as a young player who is still keeping that translation, you know, book close to his nightstand, uh, those transitions can get tough. So I think the number one thing is to really get all of those young receivers locked into all the details involved in the passing game of the Saints. And uh, I think that's going to be it's going to be a great learning week for them to just go back to here's where we started with all of this because that that can get blurred at times and and really get those guys honed in on the details because that's what Drew Brees relies on in this passing game is I think you're going to be 13 yards downfield, four yards from the sideline, turning over your inside shoulder in 2.8 seconds. That's where I think that's going. Because Drew's throwing that ball before you ever turn around. And and those guys getting really dialed in, I think, will help them a lot. Uh, and then the other side of it for me, and it's the number one factor uh, for the Saints in the playoffs, in my opinion, and that's the health of the offensive line. I think you have to get those guys back and healthy um, because healthy, that group is dominant. That group made this offense what it was this year. And you've seen down the stretch, as they've gotten banged up, as they've lost some pieces, um, how that's gotten more and more difficult. So uh, I think those are the two things for me, is really locking in these young receivers, getting them really back up to speed on everything so everything is very clear, and then the health of the offensive line. Okay, let's springboard off the details there for a moment. Obviously, you're sharpening those details. You're refining those details. Zach, from your experience, how different is a postseason playbook as opposed to a regular season playbook? Is it is it more open, or is it a tighter, more compact, streamlined look? Yeah, I mean, you, you hope – listen, I think it's about the same. I don't think that there's any dramatic difference. Um, but what happens during the season is as – as teams become more adept at taking away things that you've been doing, you don't necessarily get rid of what you were doing because you like those things. That's why they were things you were doing, right? So you don't want to lose that, and yet you need to add to it so that you can now compensate for defense saying, no, you're not going to hit Mike Thomas for a slant on this third and five. So the slant of Mike Thomas on third and five is still in the playbook. But now we've added something on top of it, and probably at this point something on top of that. So the playbook in week you know, 17 has grown dramatically from where it was in week one. And that's the type of thing that, that for a young receiver, or really any young player in the offense, you can find yourself in week 13 confused about, wait, are we, are we doing this this way or this way? Because last week we did it that way, and this week I think we're doing it this week, you know. It, it gets very convoluted, and and a lot of it is because the guys that are making those decisions, they don't have to think about what it was in week one. They know, you know, there's no there was no studying in week one of what to do on a certain protection or a certain route, um, and and yet for a young player there was, and so that evolution uh, can can really make things complicated, and I think they'll try and simplify that for those guys this week get back to some of the things that they really want to do and hone in on it. But that playbook's going to be big, uh, just like it was, you know, in week 16 and 17. It's just it's how this offense functions. Yeah, that's good insight there. Hey, Zach, about that offensive line, what's your confidence level on Jermon Bushrod, Teron Armstead, that, that situation? Yeah, and uh, I mean, 
it's hard to say. Listen, I, I think Jermon Bushrod uh, will most likely be okay. Um, I think, you know, for, for a hamstring injury, for an offensive lineman, uh, you want it to be gone, but you can also make it work without it uh, 100%. You can play with a hamstring at 85%, 90% as an offensive lineman. Um, now, if they call a screen, don't expect anyone to go sprinting down the field on it. Uh, but, you know, I think Jermon's going to be okay. And Tehran, you know, listen, it's so hard with soft tissue injuries. It just is. And, uh, you know, when you, when you tear a muscle like that, uh, you're basically just waiting for your body to make it right. And, you know, it's hard to say without having a clue of, of exactly where it is or what it is. What I do know, and I can certainly guarantee, is if it's humanly possible, Tehran Armstead will play in the playoffs. Uh, he's one of the toughest players I have ever been around. He is more than willing to sacrifice himself to try and, and, and give the offense an advantage. Um, you know, but it's going to come down to his body and whether it heals. I know, I know how he is. He's lived in the training room. He's doing everything humanly possible to get that right. Um, and, and, you know, if, if it's, if it's possible, then he'll play. And so having said that, I think Teron Armstead finds a way to go. Um, I just hope that he's healthy enough. I, I, at this point, I want him in the Super Bowl, um, and, and if that's what it is, then it is what it is, uh, because I think we're a better football team with, with Perron on the field. I think everyone agrees with you on that. Um, Zach yeah. Streep here with us on the Black and Blue Report. Zach, we certainly don't know who the Saints will play on January the 13th. We do know the field, though. Um, what are your thoughts on the field, on the NFC side of the bracket? Um, any, anybody worry you a little bit? Uh, do you mind any of those opponents? What, what do you think? Well, what I would probably say is, you know, I, I think all of them are, are obviously winnable games and certainly winnable at home. I think we'll be favored, you know, in all of those football games, and we should be. Uh, what, what, what the field looks to me is extremely balanced. I, I don't think there's anybody there that stands out tremendously uh, as being like the team you're scared of. Um, and yet there's also no one in that bracket that's like, well, I hope we get these guys. Uh, you look top to bottom really in this first weekend, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles to me are the team that you're like, ah, I don't think I want to, de- I don't want to deal with that because that's a team playing its best football at the right time of the year. And like I said earlier, there's nothing more important come playoff time than a team that is going to be competitive and it's going to battle and compete. And, you know, all these teams are close, and that team has a, a – they, listen, they have the heart, heart of a champion. They proved it last year. Uh, I think they proved it at the end of the season. That team can get on a roll and win football games. And in spite of the fact we beat them by 41 points, that's probably the team that you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to mess with that. That being said, that secondary can hold up to the Saints. I know they can't. They certainly can't here at home in, in the environment we have in the Superdome. Uh, and then, you know, you really look at the other side of it in, in the Chicago Bears. I think the Chicago Bears are playing really good football. I think it's the best defense in the NFC, uh, and, and they, they deserve that title. I think we're very close behind that. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm not betting on Mitchell Trubisky if, if it's me. So, you know, that team doesn't scare me either. So in this first round, I think whoever comes in will be good. We've got some good storylines in, in, in any and all of them. I know a lot of Saints fans would love to have Dallas back, but um, ultimately there's no one in there that, that, you know, I feel like we can't beat. Okay. 
I, I, I'm feeling better and better as the more we talk. Been a great visit, Zach. There is one more thing I have to ask you about before you go. Um, yes, sir. Did I see a video on social media of you opening a champagne bottle with a machete? Uh, something like that, yeah. That So that was, that was one of my Christmas gifts for my sister-in-law's, and it's called a, it's a, it's a champagne saber. Um, uh-huh. And so let me tell you this. I, I hate to blow my cover on this because it's not as impressive as it looks on the video. Um, that knife doesn't even have an edge on it. It's a blunt knife. And you can do that with champagne because it's under a lot of pressure. And so there's a seam around the neck of the cork of a bottle of champagne. And if you hit it with a blunt object uh, where it seams, then it'll fly off. Uh, so it's a nice little party trick. Uh, that was about the sixth one I had done that day. We didn't drink that much champagne, but I was having a good old time sabering all the nets off. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, when the Saints win the Super Bowl, I'll bring the saber to the party, and we can go ahead and saber one off, all right? I, I got to see it. And I thought to myself, okay, well, this is impressive. Is Zach drinking that much champagne that he needs a saber? Um, all these things were crossing my mind as, as I saw this. Uh, unfortunately, no. Um, and, and it's uh, – now, we, listen, we poured mimosas because it was Christmas and, and because I had to use my saber. Uh, but, no, we haven't, haven't picked it up yet. But this might be a great season to have one handy and close by. I I, I agree with you, and the, and the saber will live as a part of all the lore if this goes the way that we all want it to go. <laughs> um, that's got to be the strangest Christmas gift you've ever received, Zach. Yeah, you know it it is. I mean, it's certainly something that's like, man, I I know I didn't ask for it, and it's uh, it's it's kind of off the wall, but it's also very cool, and I can acknowledge that I'm one of those people that no one wants to buy a present for. Um, I've been, I've been blessed. I had everything in the world I could ever want. Um, and it's not easy for people to find things for me. And so that one, uh, I, I was, I was really excited about. It's really neat. I'd seen it done before. Uh, I had never done it until the one before that video, actually. Uh, and it's, it's a very cool feeling. It feels like flushing a golf ball. When you get that nice compression on a golf ball, it's that good feeling. It's nice and easy. And, it feels like that. It's pretty cool. So uh, I'll, I'll bring it in sometime. We can work on it, all right? I can't wait. I'll line them up for you. We'll get it done. Uh, Zach, any, any good luck charms you're going to carry into the broadcast booth with you for the playoff games? Well, I've got, I, I, I've got a little something uh, for, the, for the crew uh, that I think will be good. We're, gonna, we're all going to get locked in. I think you know everyone understands that when the playoff games come around, everything is elevated a little bit. So. We're going to up our professionalism a little bit, maybe have some uh, some nice new unis to go into the game with. So uh, we've got some stuff going, but uh, more, than, more than anything, I think we, we just stay the path. You know, whatever happened up to this point has worked, so we just kind of keep trucking with that. I like that idea. Zach, happy holidays to you and yours. I know we're kind of finished with that, but let's keep the holiday spirit rolling through the playoffs, and uh, all the best. Enjoy the ride here the rest of the way. I appreciate it, Sean. Thanks for having me, bud. I, I, I sometimes wonder why I don't have Zach Streif on more often, but I want to make it special, and uh, that was the second time we've had him on this football season, and he did not disappoint, did he? Another great visit with Zach Streif. We wish him all the best. And the entire broadcast crew, of course, to Steve Geller and Deuce McAllister and everyone over at the flagship station, WWL, AMFM. 
and uh, .com, and uh, certainly that's where we want to uh, focus our listening attention uh, on game day here over the next couple of weeks, and we hope it is a couple of weeks for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we'll probably have to bring a deuce in at some point as well as this thing continues to progress. So we'll be watching football this weekend, obviously. No Saints football, but we'll be watching football and hoping to learn more about who the Saints will finally play uh, in that divisional round at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. All right, meanwhile, this, the uh, Pelicans are at it tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. This is a Nets team that's been playing much better here of late. They've won nine of their last 12, and they've been very good at home, and they love to let the three-point shot fly. We'll see how things progress tonight. Hopefully, Anthony Davis is back on the floor after missing the last game due to illness, and there's no denying the impact that Alfred Payton has on this basketball team, as in his first game back after missing 22, and they were winners against Minnesota to end the homestand and have a winning homestand of that at 2-1. and one. So Brooklyn and New Orleans tonight and then travel tomorrow for the Pelicans to Cleveland. They'll practice there and then get set to take on the Cavaliers on Saturday night before coming back home to start a new homestand on Monday. Uh, again, our big thanks to Zach Streif, our guest today, and we appreciate you being with us as well. Have a great start to your 2019, everybody, and we'll see you next time here. On the Black and Blue Report, I'm Sean Kelly. Until then, so long for just a while.